Genesis chapter 27. I'm going to start reading at verse 34, read down through verse 36. And when Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with a great and exceeding bitter cry, and said unto his father, Bless me, even me also, O my father. And he said, Thy brother came with subtlety, and hath taken away thy blessing. And he said, Is not he rightly named Jacob? For he hath supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright, and behold, now he hath taken away my blessing. And he said, Hast thou not reserved a blessing for me? So tonight as we continue studying these characters, Jacob, we're looking at Jacob, the conquest of self. Conquest of self. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the opportunity to open your word. Thank you for the record we have of, of history, of your dealings with man and and the, the real struggles and uh, trials and uh, sins of those who have gone before us and how they, um, and the example they leave for us and, uh, Father, both warnings and encouragement. And I pray as we look tonight again at this uh, character of Jacob, uh, Father, I pray you should help us to be warned and beware and be wise and help us to learn from his example um, not to do the things, some of the things he did, but help us to seek the Lord as he did, though. So, Lord, just help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, Jacob, though, was a man, though he was a man who sought a relationship with the Lord, he valued that, yet he was a man who struggled um, with his flesh, he, you know, his, his the name Jacob actually means supplanter, and a, the word supplanter means to take the place of, as through force, scheming, strategy, or the like. Jacob was a conniving manipulator. <laughs> That's what he was. He was always scheming to to better himself. Uh, looking out for himself, and he would scheme to get it. We we know, of course, you know the 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 probably one of the most famous stories about him concerning him and Esau when Esau sold him his birthright. You know, Esau was a man of the field, and really, as you think about these two these two men, Esau and Jacob. Of course, they were twins. Uh, I think what you have here is a couple of spoiled kids from. Um, what I would call permissive parenting. And, and so, you know, Jake, Esau, neither one, e, both of them had trouble with the flesh. Both of them did. Though we think of J- Jacob as more of a spiritual man than Esau, Esau was, the Bible says he was profane. In other words, he was irreligious. He didn't care anything about God. He really didn't care about God. Jacob did care about his relationship with God. Esau didn't. The Bible tells us that Esau was a man of the field. You know, he, he loved going out and hunting and that sort of thing. And, and uh, Jacob was a, was a keeper of the sheep. And he, he seen, you know, Esau was, was his father's son and, and Jacob was his mother's boy. That's kind of the way it was. But they were both, you know, you, you, can, you can say, well, you know, they both had, you know, Esau was this and Jacob. But they were both 
very uh, uh, given over to selfish ways. Uh, you know, Esau married married quickly. He married uh, women of the land, and you know, again, he didn't care. He just followed his flesh, which were a grief of mine to Isaac and Rebekah. Um, but but be that as it may, and we see that Jacob was constantly conniving. You know, in chapter twenty-five, we have the account where you know where uh, you know Esau comes in from the field and and uh, and and he's faint or that he's hungry. He thinks he's you know he's weak because he needs something to eat. And of course, Jacob takes advantage of this and and uh, he says, "Well, um, I'll give you some of my pottage if you sell me your birthright." And you know, Esau's at the point, well, what good's a birthright to me if I'm going to die? So I might as well take the pottage, you know. Kind of ridiculous. You know what that shows? Emotionally led. Given over to the emotion of the time. And, and so, you know, the problem, of course, lies within uh, Proverbs 16 and verse 32 says this, He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty. He that ruleth his spirit than he that taketh a city. You know, Esau here had a problem with ruling his spirit, but so did Jacob. They had a problem. They had problems ruling their spirit. They were given over to selfish ants, selfish gain, looking out for themselves. Uh, James chapter 4 Warns us, you know, and there's many passages in the Bible, but James 4 uh, tells us that whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your own lusts, that war in your members ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain, ye fight in war, yet ye have not because ye ask not. Jeremiah 79, the heart is deceitful above all things, desperately wicked. You know, and we have lists, Matthew 15 and Galatians 5, there's lists. Of the of the of the things of the flesh, but wars and fights among you they come of our own lusts. Somebody has said this quote: "The souls of emperors and cobblers are cast in the same molds." Same reason that makes us wrangle with a neighbor causes a war betwixt princes. Unquote. You know, so so you and I might have an argument with a neighbor, but if that was two kings, they'd probably go to battle and kill thousands of men in the process. You know, that's kind of the way it is. Uh, you know, we're all made from the same mold. Uh, war is just a quarrel uh, on, on a national or international scale. That's all it is. But we see here Jacob was a man that was given over to himself, to his flesh. Um, he was selfish in, uh, in chapter 25. Verses 27 through 34, we read about this account where he, he connives to get the birthright from Esau. And, and uh, you know, verse 29 says, And Jacob sawed pottage, and Esau came to the field, and he was faint. And Esau said to Jacob, Feed me, I pray thee, with that same red pottage, for I am faint. Therefore was the name called Edom. And Jacob said, Sell me this day thy birthright. And Esau said, Behold, I am at the point to die. And what profit shall this birthright do to me? 
Jacob said, Swear to me this day. And he swore unto him, and he sold his birthright unto Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils, and he did eat and drink and rose up and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Now Esau really didn't care about his birthright. He wanted the blessing. He wanted to be, the, to be blessed, you know, and he wanted the blessing to go one. But he didn't care about the birthright. But the birthright gave, was given usually to the oldest male of the household, and with it was the spiritual head of the family. Well, Esau really didn't care about that. All he cared about is feeding my body. And, of course, Jacob, you know, Jacob being the kind, generous brother that he was, you'd have thought he'd have said, well, if you're so hungry, here, just eat some of this, this good, good stew I've made. But no, he isn't going to give anything away for nothing. He's going to get some gain for himself out of this. You know, so he's going to bargain. He's always bargaining for things. You know, if you go to the, when he, when he goes to Laban, the, you know, there, there, he, was, he, he continually works that situation there and bargains with Laban. Now this is, this is, you know, he's manipulating or coercing Esau to give up his birthright, which he does. Uh, you, know, you know, we're not to bargain you know, and, and you know, and, and I don't know. Um, you know, it, it gets the Bible seems to. You know, if you if you, and I don't think you should read between the lines. But you know, if you read this story, for example, in verse twenty eight, it says, "And Isaac loved Esau because he he was venison, but Rebekah loved Jacob." So there was favoritism going on in the family. But why did Isaac love Esau for what he could? Yet, because he ate of his venison. So this this behavior is is being taught from the parents. You know, we can, we teach our, we can teach our children to be selfish by bargaining with them. If you are good until we're done shopping, you know, I'll get you a Sunday at McDonald's on the way home, or you know. Um, if you're good, I buy you a piece of candy in the grocery store. You know, uh, we we see all these kids pitching fits all the time. You know, um, and and um, you know, this is the kind of thing that that Jacob did. So he was selfish. The second thing he was crafty and deceitful. Here in chapters twenty-seven. And verses 18 through 23, and you know, can you imagine this? This is how far this goes. No, and, 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 of course, I'll, there's another part to this too. But, but in verse 18, 20, chapter 27, he came unto his father and said, My father, and he said, Here am I. Who art thou, my son? And Jacob said unto his father, I am Esau, thy firstborn. I have done according as thou badest me. Arise, I pray thee, sit and eat of my venison, that thy soul may bless me. And Isaac said unto his son, How is it that thou hast found it out so quickly, my son? And he said, Because the Lord thy God brought it to me. And Isaac said unto Jacob, Him near I pray thee, that I may feel thee, my son, whether thou be my very son Jacob Esau or not. Jacob went near unto his Isaac his father, and he felt him, and he said, The voice is Jacob's, but the hands are Esau's. And he discerned him not, because his hands were hairy, as his brother Esau's hands, so he blessed him. 
Now, here's the deceitfulness. And you would think, okay, you know, surely, surely he wouldn't go as far. Sure, he, you know, manipulating, coercing, getting something, bargaining with his brother. You know, that's one thing. But surely he wouldn't go as far as to lie and deceive his own father. Hey, you know, if a guy will steal $100, he'll steal 1000 All he needs is the opportunity. And he'll do it. He'll do it. You see, Jacob, once he covets that blessing, which God had already promised him, God had already promised him this blessing, that the elder would serve the younger. That was the promise given when they were born. The elder will serve the younger. So, so the blessing of God was going to go to the younger, which was Jacob. That was the promise of God. But Jacob... It, you know, is going to deceive his father to make sure he gets what God had already promised him. The sad thing is, you know, the Bible says in Proverbs 10.22, The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich, and it addeth no sorrow with it. Now, Jacob got the blessing but he added sorrow to his life. It brought division into his life. You know, because of his deception here, him and Esau are divided. He'll never see his mother again. And, and of course, he's, he's sent away, and he lives in a foreign land for a long period of time, I think 14 years. So, uh, the sad thing is he was encouraged in this by his mother. He was encouraging this by his mother. Uh, we see that in, in uh, verse 1 of chapter 27. It came to pass that when Isaac was old, his eyes were dim so that he could not see. He called Esau, his oldest son, and said to him, My son, he said unto him, Behold, here am I. And he said, Behold, now I am old, I know not the day of my death. Now therefore take, I pray thee, thy weapons, thy quiver, thy bow, and go out to the field and take me some venison. Make me savor meat such as I love, and bring it to me, that I may eat, that my soul may bless thee before I die. And Rebekah heard, when Isaac spake to Esau his son, Esau went to the field to hunt for venison and to bring it. And Rebekah spake unto Jacob her son, saying, Behold, I heard thy father speak unto Esau thy brother, saying, Bring me venison, make me savory meat, that I may eat and bless thee before the Lord, before my death. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice, according to that which I command thee. Go now to the flock, and fetch me from thence two good kids of the goats, and I will make them savory meat for thy father, such as he loveth. And thou shalt bring it to thy father, that he may eat, and that he may bless thee before his death. And Jacob said to Rebekah his mother, Behold, Esau, my brother, is a hairy man, and I am a smooth man. My mother... My father peradventure will feel me, and I shall seem to him as a deceiver, and I shall bring a curse upon me and not a blessing. His mother said unto him, Upon me be thy curse, my son. Only obey my voice, and go fetch me, fetch me them. So, <clears throat> he was encouraged by his mother 
Uh, and you might say, indirectly, encouraged by his father. What was the command? Uh, and uh, go to chapter 25, verse 21. And Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife, because she was barren. And the Lord was entreated of him, and Rebekah his wife conceived. And the children struggled together within her. And she said, If it be so, why am I thus? And she went to inquire of the Lord. And the Lord said unto her, Two nations are in thy womb, and two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels. And the one people shall be stronger than the other, and the elder shall serve the younger. Now, you know, a good rule to have in your house is you shouldn't allow the children to pit one parent against another. That's cause for problems. That's what we have here. Children pitting one parent against another. And parents, the parents allowing this, you know, this was known, I'm sure, you know, we, we know the Lord said to, to her, but Surely, she told him. But, you know, Isaac, of course, you know, showing favoritism to Esau, Rebekah to Jacob, you know, and, and this permissive parenting and, and, and encouraging them in their wickedness. You know, here's, you know, really Isaac is encouraging Jacob, or encouraging Esau in his, you know, encouraging him in, uh, for the things of this world. Uh, and, and Rebecca is encouraging Jacob in his selfish ways to deceive and to uh, uh, manipulate to get what is to be his. Now, here's the thing. Jacob was not a boy when this happened. He was at least 40. At least 40. Some think as old as 60. Or older. But he's at least 40. We'll look at a couple of verses in Proverbs again. Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 15. The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left of himself bringeth his mother to shame. Now we're talking about permissive parenting. The word left himself doesn't necessarily mean forsaken. Left to himself just can simply mean left to do whatever they want. Left to follow their, their, their feelings. You know, that's the, that's the thing today, you know. You need to allow children to express themselves. You know, anger is no longer sin. It's just a anger management problem. You know, uh, I remember I had a pastor was talking to me about uh, a family, and, and he said, uh, he asked me, this was years ago, about maybe doing some kind of a, 
a family conference and he said that this this family had adopted a child and uh, the the mom and the family won't allow the child to go to Sunday school without her going along because she has anger management problems. I mean this is a four-year-old. Yeah, well those anger management problems can be hashed out in the woodshed. Um, it's just a child left to himself. It's a child without discipline, without structure. They follow their own emotions, their own feelings, their own ways. They manipulate the parents. Uh, you know, you know. Like I said, go to the store, and unless they get something they want, they're going to be bad. That's their way of saying it. You know, we need, we, they need to be taught to be obedient because it is right, not for reward. Children, obey your parents and Lord because you're going to get a reward. Isn't that what it says? No. It says, children, obey your parents and Lord for this is right. It's right. You know, all children, all children are born selfish, deceitful, and only discipline or experience in the school of hard knocks is going to drive it out of them. I mean, I'm sorry, but little... Little Lydia and uh, little little uh, Callum, oh, they'll they'll do whatever they want to do if you allow. Them. They're little devils, believe it or not. One of them is my grandchild. J. Edgar Hoover said this, quote: uh, "For years we have listened to some quack theorists, theorists and pseudo psychologists who have preached that discipline and control were bad for children." that they should be left uninhibited to work out their own lit life patterns, their own self-discipline. But you do not acquire self-discipline if you never learn what discipline is. Neither can life's problems be worked out without experience, which can be secured only through hard knocks or by guidance from the experience of others. Now we are reaping the harvest, unquote. Now, he said that, and this, this, this book was written in 1946. Could you imagine if J. Edgar Hoover was alive today, what he'd say about our kids today? I mean, this is the World War II generation he's talking about. Uh, but see, this is this is this is the this was the foundation for Esau and Jacob's actions. Parents that allowed them and encouraged them in deceit and manipulation. You know, the sad thing is, when I, when, when I read that, where it says, Rebecca says, let thy curse be on me, it was. kind of reminds me of what the Pharisees said, the Jews said about Jesus, let his blood be upon us and on our children. And you think of the suffering that the children of Israel have suffered because of their rejection of their Messiah. You know, Rebecca, you know, because of, because of what she did, she brought this division into her family. Esau is now wanting to kill Jacob. He said as soon as, you know, he, he's going to kill him. He's determined to kill him. And so she has to send Jacob away. 
This is the fruits. You do it. How do we overcome? How do we conquer self? Well, we have to realize that old self is evil. It always tends to that which is wrong. It's naturally inclined to doing evil. Now, it needs supplanted. It needs replaced with a new nature. You know, and, and, of course, you know, parents, of course, training their children can be a great help uh, with, with children. You know, it's, it's much diff- more difficult for, for people to overcome this if they don't ever have, haven't ever had structure and discipline. And by the way, some, peop- some parents who maybe do spank their children often do it just when they get mad, not when there's something that's wrong. There is a difference. Good discipline only, only correct, doesn't correct it. It corrects whenever the child does something that is wrong, not something that they just made me mad about. If you, if they, if you just discipline when they make you mad, you're going to be inconsistent. Proverbs 23, 13, 14 says, Withhold not correction from the child, for if thou beatest him with the rod, he shall not die. Thou shalt beat him with the rod, and shalt deliver his soul from hell. And of course, what that teaches us is, you know, discipline teaches children that they are sinners. That they have an evil nature. That human nature is evil. They are inclined to do evil, and they need to be corrected from their evil ways. You know, Jacob's parents could have saved him from a lot of trouble and suffering if they'd have disciplined him correctly. They would have helped him. We must crucify the old and yield to the new. Of course, as a Christian, we're to, we're to crucify the old man and... and, and uh, uh, with its affection and lust. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 5 says this, Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. You know, the root of Jacob's problems is he's covetous. He wants what he thinks should have been Esau's. He wants it. Did not realizing or not uh, 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 resting in the fact that God had promised to him. You know, even if Isaac would have blessed Esau, God would have seen to it that Jacob would be the stronger. Of course, you know, when when you're thinking about that, we're thinking about the nation of Israel and Edom. Where is Edom today? It doesn't even exist doesn't even exist. You know, they were destroyed. You know, they were a power to be reckoned with for a while, but, but they never became like the children of Israel. That's God's doings. Not, not, nothing Jacob's going to do, or we're going to doing, or Rebecca's going to connive at, is going to make that happen. Because it's a promise from God. Proverbs 29 15 again, rod and reproof give wisdom. Wisdom. You know, wisdom it teaches us to deny things that God doesn't want us to have or commands us not to seek. 
Romans 8.13 Put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. You know, again, Rebecca and Jacob you know, put their heads together and connived a way to deceive their his father. You were to put off the old man with his old deeds and were to put on the new man by renewing the spirit of your mind. We have to learn. Go to John chapter 13. John chapter 13. You know, we... And, and by doing so, we will learn that happiness comes through serving, not through getting what we want. You know, selfish people are never happy people. They're not happy because there's always something else they want. There's always something they're not satisfied with. Look what Jesus says to his disciples in John 13, verse 12. So after he had washed their feet... So here's the Master, the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God. You know, take, you know they're, they're meeting in the upper room for that Passover meal. And the custom is, in that day, you know, there's usually a servant. And that when you come in, there's a servant that goes around with a wash basin and washes your feet. Because you've gotten your feet dirty walking the the dirt roads and paths of the city and you know so your feet are and, and and maybe up your legs a little bit is dusty and dirty so the servant it's always customary for for well-to-do houses that a servant is there at the door and, and he goes around and washes everybody's feet only servants were supposed to do that but here we find the lord doing it so after he had washed their feet had taken his garments and was sat down again, he said unto them, Ye know, know ye what I have done to you? Ye call me Master and Lord, and ye say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given ye an example that ye should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, The servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If ye know these things, happy are ye if ye do them. Happy are ye if ye do them. See, happiness comes through service. Service. Young people that work are much more contented than young people that don't work. Work is service. That's what it is. When you go to Brantley's, you're not just earning a paycheck, you're serving them. When you go to the city of Raleigh, you're serving the city of Raleigh and the people of the city of Raleigh. At Chick-fil-A, you're serving people. It's not just there just to get a paycheck. Now, People look at it that way. That's why they don't care whether they show up or not. But it's a service. And if you look at it as service, that's how we're supposed to do our work, as service under the Lord. It's an opportunity to serve. And, and the Bible says here, happy are ye if ye do them. You see, work, service brings accomplishment 
which brings satisfaction or contentment. You know, many of the young people in our world tonight are not content. They're not, they're not uh, uh, secure in their own skin because they've never done anything. All they've done was sit on the couch and done like this. They haven't served. You know, Hebrews 12 says that for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. And he did all that to serve us as a service to us. He endured the cross for us, not for himself. And the Bible says that when, he, when, it, when we go to be with him, we're going to sit down and he's going to serve us. I know that seems backward. That's what the Bible says. Just as he served his disciples and he was happy to do it. Service. So it's, it's yield to the new. Learn that happiness comes through service. Thirdly, to overcome self, commit thy way to the Lord. Go to Psalm 37. Psalm 37. <clears throat> Psalm 37. And verse 4 says this. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. And he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light, and thy judgment as the noonday. Now, there's a lot in these verses, but I want you to really consider, commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. God made a promise concerning Jacob and Esau that the elder would serve the younger. So, so that means that Jacob is going to be the one that's blessed above his brother. And Jacob needs to learn to commit his way, his life, unto the Lord and let the Lord bring that which he hath promised to pass. Notice verse 6. He shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light and thy judgment as the noonday. God's going to fulfill his promise. He's going to fulfill his promise to you and I. If we're his child. He's going to take care of us. You know, when David went into the wilderness, you know what he did? He waited on the Lord and waited for the Lord to remove Saul. He didn't go in and start secretly uh, gathering troops to, to prepare for an insurrection against Saul. Now, there were some that were gathered unto him because they were dissatisfied with Saul too. Saul, Saul treats other people like the same way he treated David. If you did, if you were, weren't, you know, if you did something and you weren't on Saul's good side, you know, you just. But 
But David didn't go, go out of his way trying to find a way to overthrow Saul. He waited for God to bring to pass what God had promised to him. And that was make him king. He'd already anointed him. God had already anointed him king. He waited for God to bring it to pass. See, otherwise he'd have had to kill Saul. See, see, Jacob worked people, connived, deceived, to try and get blessings. Instead of allowing, instead of just simply doing what is right and allowing God to bring his promise to pass. You know, and and this brings up another point. We need to realize what we have by divine right cannot be gained by bargaining. Or human scheming. Yeah, God's given us some promises in His Word. The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich, and it addeth no sorrow with it. Proverbs 10, 22. The blessing of the Lord. Now, those blessings of the Lord may not be, when we talk about riches, not all riches are money. It's not just money. There's lots of things that I would give I would rather have than money. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for some of the experiences I had in life. You know, I went to work for a family when I was 21 years old, and, and they, they, we always looked at them as ones that had money, and we kind of envied them. You know, we, we always, us kids always had this idea, if we had what they had, you know, we'd be happy as a lark, you know. Well, I found out their money didn't make them happy. And they, were, they suffered some things that I, I'm thankful I didn't. Not because they had money. It's just things that, that happened to them. You see, blessings of God are, by, are through faith. We need to rest in, our, in, in the Lord and allow Him to, to bring those things to pass which he hath promised in our life. Of course, he's promised to provide our needs. He's promised to, to uh, 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 never leave us nor forsake us. And we just simply need to trust in him. Commit our way to him. And so... <clears throat> Of course, the final climax for Jacob we find is in chapter 32. For Jacob to, to, be, to really conquer himself, himself, it requires that he be crippled. Look at chapter 32, verse 24. Jacob was left alone. By the way, Jacob's bargaining in life brought him into bondage 
it enslaved him. And what you're, this account we're reading out in chapter 23, 30, or 32, you know, he's, he's left alone, uh, and this is a picture of prayer. He's struggling with the Lord, and he's wrestling with the Lord. And it's all about Esau, because he heard Esau's coming. And guess what? He's afraid. See, what Jacob has got for himself is to be living in fear of his brother all his life. And so now he's left alone. They wrestled with him, verse 24, chapter 32. A man with him until the breaking of day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, Let me go, for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. And he said unto him, What is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. So no more supplanter. That's going to be the thing of the past. But now it's Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men and hast prevailed. So Israel means prince with God. Jacob asked him and said, Tell me, I pray thee, thy name. And he said, Wherefore is it? that thou dost ask after my name, and he blessed him there. Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face. This is, this is the pre-incarnation of appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ actually wrestled with Jacob. And he says, I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. And he passed over Peniel, the sun rose upon him, and he halted upon his thigh. Therefore the children of Israel eat not of the sinew which shrank, which is upon the hollow of the thigh unto this day, because he touched the hollow of Jacob's thigh in the sinew that shrank. So, so he, he, when he touched the hollow of his thigh, he put, it put he, there was, there's a, I don't know if it's a tendon or something there, it, was, it ripped. Now I read of a doctor's account, somebody, some preacher asked the doctor, what would it take to rip that part of your body? He said, I don't know that two workhorses could pull it apart. But it caused Jacob to limp the rest of his life. And it brought an end of Jacob's supplanting. Penuel means made weak. Made weak. He's now made weak which requires him to rely on God. And so, we, it, 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 how much better it would be if Jacob would have realized, accepted his weakness, and just relied on God. But you know, sometimes we human beings are just very stubborn. We don't like change. Because we're worried about protecting ourselves. And we don't like change. So we want to we wanna, we wanna, we take care of it. No, we need to learn that God can be depended upon. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Commit thy way unto the Lord. And he shall bring thy righteousness to pass. And so, we have a life of a man 
who was always scheming to advance himself. But he was made weak so that he'd had learn to trust in the Lord. Might we learn to trust in the Lord? You know, God proved himself even after Jacob was made weak. God continued to bless him. God continued to provide for him. It was when after Jacob was made weak that he goes into the land. And, of course, you know, we have that account where his sons kill all those of Shechem. And everybody's afraid of him. Everybody's afraid of Jacob. This cripple. They're all afraid of him. Why? Because God was his power now. He was relying on the Lord, not on himself. So might we learn to rely on the Lord.